0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. Today, we have a sponsored episode. It is part three of our deep dive with the fine folks at Logitech, exploring hardware, software, developer productivity, many things near and dear to our heart at the show, especially some of my co-hosts here, Ryan Donovan and Cassidy Williams. How's it going, y'all? Oh, pretty good.
1: Oh, I'm excited to be here.
0: Cassidy, they sent over a great list of talking points, which we're going to dive into. You mentioned some of these acronyms are familiar to nerds like you. Does this touch on some things that uh, you've dealt with as a software developer and mechanical keyboard aficionado?
1: Yeah. So FW is firmware, which as someone who builds keyboards regularly, I often have to update firmware on different keyboards and stuff. And also just any sort of embedded system where it's it's not necessarily mm-hmm. on a computer, but if you want to control, I don't know why this is the example that came in my head, a Wii remote, it's going to have some mm. kind of embedded software on there to, to do that. And so ESW is embedded software, FW is firmware, SW is software, HW is hardware. We hear these a lot tossed around.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, we're very excited. Laurent, Tanvi, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, Tanvi, let's start with you. Tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got into this world of technology and what it is you do today, sort of day-to-day at Logitech.
3: Sure. Uh, So, my name is Tanvi Shah. I lead the software development team at Logitech. I love and thrive at building compelling software solutions and services from conception to launch. Today, I am responsible for overseeing all the software development activities here at Logitech. And we are working on our next generation software platform that enables our users to not just customize their devices, but offer innovative solutions that enhance the way our users interact, navigate, and connect with the digital world. So by optimizing their and automating their workflows to help them stay creative and productive in whatever they're doing, whether you're a software developer, a content creator, a presenter, et cetera. A gamer.
0: A professional gamer, I mean. <laughs> yes, or a gamer. And Laurent, how about yourself?
2: Hello, everyone. So my name is Laurent Gier. I'm in charge of embedded software development. So still code development, but that tiny piece of code that runs on your device. So on mice, on keyboards, on presenters, but also for gaming, for steering wheel, for all the joystick, all the simulation you can play, interact with in order to interact with you, the digital data. And as said by Tenvi, the, the aim, the ultimate aim is to make sure that what we are delivering fulfill what the user wants. It should not be necessarily perceivable by the, by the end user, not maybe big UX, big UI when talk about the device, but still we take in consideration how the user interacts. It could be a person not familiar with. The technology, or a very advanced gamer who want to play and to have the most powerful device in order to win. So we cover the full scale of people.
4: You know, it's it's interesting. You come from uh, the hardware at two different sides, like the the code on on the device itself and the code that interacts with the device. What's the difference between the the software and the firmware that y'all are writing?
3: So s- software is nothing but just a piece. mean, it's a piece of code that we write that runs on top of OS. It doesn't have any direct interaction with the hardware. Uh, it's primarily designed for user interaction. You know, a lot of what we do is really driven by UX with a big emphasis on usability, the functionality, and it's highly UX driven. So this is what we focus on when it comes to software experiences. Customer first is our journey.
2: And can w- be here you are really looking at the UX and the UI, how you guide the, the user and you offer the best UX. On the firmware, we are also looking at the UX, but it's an invisible one. It's become visible when you have a trouble, when you have an issue, when you have latencies, when your cursor is lagging. That's where the UX becomes visible. On the TV side, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's another stuff you are working with.
3: Absolutely. And, and it's highly visible. We get feedback very quickly from the users <laughs> because it's highly UX-driven.
0: In the forums, do you, you hang out in the forums and wait for the feedback or you mean uh, angry emails? Tweets. How are people getting in touch with you, Tanvi?
3: <laughs> so yes, definitely forums. We also have a proactively, you know, do a lot of user uh, testing as well, right? That's part of our development process is that when something goes out of the door, we also have user testing and that's when we proactively collect data. But then after we release the software, we also make sure that we are following actively on the forums at Logitech and outside of Logitech as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's something we are following. It's something we can sometimes see people wanting our devices and we also see how people react to what we have done. So this interaction, being directly confronted to, to what people experiment with our product, that's something really, really great. Sometimes it's quite, we are waiting for that feedback. We are. Just like when you wait for feedback, you expect the best, but you we just re- need to remain humble and to say, okay, let's see how people perceive what we have done. Let's see if they have cracked the added value we have done. And when we see in some review, technical review, that people have noticed the very tiny stuff we have added on top, that's where we are very proud. Absolutely,
3: yeah.
1: For the firmware versus software and everything, there's, there's a lot of user testing, but as for the actual implementation of it, Is it in a very low-level language like C, or is it something where you've abstracted that away into a higher-level language internally? What do the teams work with?
2: Well, here, mainly in the firmware, we are mainly working with C and C++, but we are also going at lower-level assembly and so on when we need to be... Because it's time-critical, when we talk of gaming devices or advanced creators, the reporting rate is up to one millisecond. So we made a wireless communication protocol that is as good as coded. Dang! So it means that each milliseconds we uh, go through all the sensors, capture all the physical interaction with the device, uh, see the battery life, see everything, and communicate to to the host and communicate to the to the software within one millisecond. So timing is critical. And that's why sometimes we need to make really huge, let's say, optimizations of the code we are writing.
1: That's actually incredible. Because I feel like assembly is one of those things that you might learn in your computer science curriculum or, or something like that, where it's a very academic setting. And so to hear it <laughs> applied, it makes sense because you do want to be as fast as absolutely possible. But it's a very specific set of skills for sure for the team to have.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's something we we really learn. And what is interesting here is that the background of the people that I have in my team, I have half of them from a pure computer science curriculum and courses, but also the the other half is from the electronical engineering part. Yeah. We are really in the middle of both, and we need both. We need we have pure software development approach uh, when it comes to making interactions, and we also have pure uh, electrical engineering approach when it comes to to talk to to the peripheral, to the low-level sensors and and sun. We need both. And the way we integrate, the way we test also are the same. We can test with breakpoints, like 10V, uh, Steam can do, but also with oscilloscopes. So when you go by the desk of a firmware engineer, you have oscilloscope, a lot of wires, a lot of stuff you don't necessarily find on the software side. But I believe on software, you also have some constraints to uh, implement implemented to debug.
0: For sure.
3: I was just saying that, you know, yeah. So on the software side, right, we develop code using high-level programming languages. And our tech stack is much wider in the sense that, you know, depending on whether you're doing some low-level development, which needs to be purely cross-platform, then we use C++, primarily C++. And then on the front end, when it comes to UX and UI development, we actually build user interfaces using uh, web technologies, right? So this helps us to kind of really deliver modern user interfaces.
1: It's cool to have both ends of the spectrum because there's like major pros and cons to both and you still have to work together. It's cool. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And and that's the key because... Let's say we make the perfect device, but the software is not working, or the reverse. In the end, the user is not happy. So we need to, to make sure the full system is working fine. And that's, even if we have different way of working, different life cycle, different way to debug, interact, we must work together. We must have touch point to work together in order to, to deliver the, the best uh, user experience, definitely.
0: So Tanvi, what web technologies are you referring to that you use on the front end?
3: we use uh, react js html5 css etc we uh, so our software works both on mac and windows mm-hmm. so we need to cater to those operating systems and therefore we use these web technologies but then we uh, use a cross-platform desktop frameworks to be able to go ahead and um, build a cross-platform user interface.
1: If you don't mind my asking, what is the cross-platform thing that you use? Is it Electron or is it? The... We are using Electron. Yes, Electron. Yeah, it, it
3: gets the job done. <laughs> yes, it does.
0: So you mentioned working in different ways, but you know having to come together on this, even if yeah the life cycle of some of it is different. Can you touch a little bit on that? Is there a push and pull, for example? if all of the users are requesting a bunch of great updates to software so they can optimize for the latest and greatest in performance gaming, but firmware is saying, we just can't quite get all of that into this package. Do you two come together and barter to try to get the best user experience that matches both? How do those things work?
2: Maybe here we can talk about the, the different lifecycle we are using because Stanley and I are following two different lifecycle and and way to implement. And then that could answer also your, your questions. On the firmware side, we are working toward the mass production date. The software is embedded into this this part, so that's right. really important. That when this part leaves the the factory, the firmware is here already up and running because people paid for that. Because we also have some not advanced users that, that need the mouse which is working. And most of the time, the mm. most v- valuable product is the product itself. You can't say, okay, let's have a the right click and the left click. We make an update later. No, that. It doesn't work. We want to have already out of the box the best user experience. So here, my team is dedicated focus on the mass production date. That's a hard date. The scope as well is fixed. You want to have the best, the ultimate experience. So the way we manage that is to have more people working toward the, the release date in order to make sure we reach the right level of quality at the right uh, at the right moment. So it's more, let's say, a waterfall approach we are using. We try to inf- to put an agile mindset in this way, but it's really linked to waterfall approach. And your scientific quite different.
3: Yeah, it is. It is because on our end, right, our focus is really continuously in keeping the our users engaged. How do we delight the customers? And here, in you know, software doesn't need to be final when it hits the shelves, right? So there's always room to improve usability, quality, you know, maintain compatibility with everything that it relies on to work. So we want to respond to user feedback and address their pain points. So what we do is we work towards continuous releases, right? So we have um, the agile release train concept. So this is where we adopt the continuous delivery cadence with the standard industry best practices around CICD integration and automa- automation test pipelines. But when it comes to software firmware combined experiences, right, this is where what Laurent is alluding to is we work here differently in the sense that we still want to keep software in agile mode. But if we have combined experiences, this is where what we found a working model, which is the hybrid agile process we refer to as that as. And this is where we blend agile with commitment-based product schedule. So where software releases for a product, you know, works against a plan of record, but it runs in agile mode. So we still run in sprints. We still keep the flexibility to change the UX and perform user testing and adapt to user feedback and change scope if necessary, as long as we release within the commitment milestones that we were agreed on
2: exactly here we have key touch point between software and firmware in order to make sure what we are delivering meet the user expectation first in kind of architecture backbone in order to make sure that what we will deliver the ideas the big ideas we want to deliver is the right one and will fly with the with the schedule and then regular touch point regular integration to make sure that what has been done on the the software side meets what has been done on the firmware side and see if the expected uh, user experience meets uh, the one we we obtained.
4: You talk about the uh, constant improvement and kind of working together. I have a, a Logitech uh, camera here and it comes with a little app that lets you adjust the, how it looks. I'm wondering, as you're developing, you know, both the camera itself and the firmware on it and the app, are you f- feeding
2: into each other? Are you causing, you know changes on the other side? Yes, we, we have ways to communicate with the software in a, in a way that we interact with each other in order to, to have configuration, contextuality being, being added to, to to the device cam, camera, mice or keyboard, so definitely.
4: So I've, I've already got the, the app and the camera over here and you come up with new features, new firmware. Does that filter down to me, the user? Or is that new releases, new developments?
2: Well, here it totally depends from one product to the other. There is no unique way to to do it and to and to deliver it. So there is multiple way to to address whether the, the user feedback, and uh, either it could be an update or it could be a, a new product to adapt that if it's not feasible with uh, with the existing product.
3: And I think to add to that, right? Like so, there is the out of box functionality that we talk about, right? Where your camera will work you know, in a certain way, when you don't have the software installed. And then when you have the software installed, how does software bring in, how does software enhance the experience of our users, right? And today, we don't rely on, you know, updating the firmware of your device to kind of unlock new features and that's what we are working towards is how do we change that mindset where our perception where we can actually go ahead and bring incrementally these features through new firmware upgrades as well
2: yes totally true when we have the device with the embedded device itself you have the performances you have the robustness you are ready for, yeah focus on battery life robustness performances for sure when you add the software that's when you have productivity on top. That's where you have the wow effect because we combine the best of the two worlds.
0: Yeah. You had included a, a word here that I was curious about in the notes for our talk. It was sustainability. And hearing you say these two things, it makes a lot of sense. The more you can sort of like extend or improve the life of the device with software updates or even firmware updates, the more you can look then forward to sort of that next generation and figure out how to make that great and you know make the changes that would require Laurent, maybe like you said, going all the way back to the blueprint that goes to the factory as opposed to just things you can push out over the air?
2: Exactly, exactly. So uh, as you said, Telvi, here uh, the software and the firmware plays a great role for durability to make the product relevant longer. And, and here it's mainly software driven because the software gives the, the longer life to 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 the piece of hardware.
1: And that's so important in today's day and age where the planned deprecation of everything is so prevalent. Having something that you know will last for a while and be improved is very valuable.
0: Yeah, for sure. My last question was kind of in your direction. I know, Laurent, Tanvi, you both work at Logitech, firmware software. What do you think about folks who are building their own stuff or maybe trying to customize your stuff? To what degree do you like prepare for people who are going to poke around and try and integrate this with other peripherals or things they've written themselves? To what degree is this stuff open for developers and creators to hack on or add on to themselves?
3: I think there is not a lot of customization in terms of outside of what the software provides, but we do have, for example, in our uh, Logitech Options software, that's our predecessor, where we provide an SDK for our developers and use, you know, third-party developers who wants to go ahead and build custom plugins, for example. You know, our Logitech craft keyboard is our wireless keyboard with the craft, the crown input dial, and you can use that to activate and control, you know, custom actions on various applications. And here is an example of how we had an SDK, which enables our users, for example, to build uh, custom plugins, and you can use our application to to do so.
2: On the open source community, Linux and so on, there are also some some softwares that exposed widely this, uh, this API. We also released device, some device APIs in order to interact with the device and see what people can work on, build on, and, and work on that. So there are a couple of applications like Solar, uh, Libra that allows to, to interact also with the device and to offer other APIs to external uh, apps.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we are going to shout out the winner of a Lifeboat badge. Someone who came on Stack Overflow and found a question with a negative score gave it a great answer. And now that question has a positive score saved from the dustbin of history and spread a little knowledge around the community. Awarded August 10th to David, can we convert a byte array into an input stream in Java? David has the answer for you and has helped over 140,000 people with this answer. So thank you, David, and congrats oh. on your lifeboat badge. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating or review. It really helps.
4: I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at R. Thor Donovan. And if there's something you'd like to see covered by the blog, please email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com.
1: My name is Cassidy Williams. I do developer experience, and you can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. Hi, I'm Tan Shah. I lead the software development team at Logitech.
0: You can
2: find me on LinkedIn. Hi, I'm Laurent Gier. I'm head of embedded software development at Logitech, and you can also find me on LinkedIn.
0: Well, thank you to both of you for coming on. We appreciate it. Clearly, we have a bunch of your devices up and running around us, so glad you're working hand in hand.
2: Good choice. Yeah. Very good choice. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you you. soon.
3: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.